worship today. <clears throat> Praise the Lord for what He's up to in our faith family. I, uh, you ever heard this statement about the puppy chasing the car? The puppy chasing the car, they're like, well, what's he going to do with it when he catches it? You know and I know that normally ends up to his demise. And uh, I kind of feel like that this morning. Uh, like the puppy that was chasing the car, and uh, I feel like that we uh, <clears throat> we have our, our our worship and what God is doing, and God has brought so many people into our our faith family and so much talent, and and uh, we have so many people. And for about four or five months, I spent a lot of time in prayer about what that looked like, us moving forward. And a couple of weeks ago, we had a meeting and. Uh, Man, we began to look at, I, I really felt like the Lord was leading us into moving into a, a team strategy, a team strategy where we'd have a couple of different, uh, three different worship teams that would lead worship for us, three different teams that would do our, our, our video and for the internet, three different teams that would run sound, that would run the computers, and man, we, we, we kind of cast that vision and, and uh you know, up to that point, it was all just kind of dreaming about it and kind of having the vision about it. And then that you had such overwhelming enthusiasm for that and support and stayed to help with that and uh, to have interest in that. And we have a, a, so many people that have, have uh, responded to that positively that after that I felt kind of like the puppy that caught the car, you know. I mean, up to that point I had just been chasing it and praying about it and chasing it. And then... After all of you were here and you embraced it so enthusiastically, I was like, now what? And then I began to see all some of the, the, the things that we'd have to, the challenges that would arise. But what I want you to do is I want you to really be in prayer for us with the whole area of the ministries of our congregation. I want you to be in prayer for a spirit of unity, a spirit of teamwork, and uh, that God would just knock us out of ourselves so that it would just be about Him and uh, that God would be glorified in our lives. Well, the good news is in a little while you may need to move over when the rest of the congregation begins to catch up with their springing forward time, but uh, it's good to be here today even though we did lose an hour of sleep last night. Amen? If you have your Bible, I want you to go back to Genesis chapter 22. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 22. And you may be thinking, Pastor, I thought you exhausted that text last week. I did too. <laughs> We looked at a while for several weeks on a sermon series dealing with not settling for good, but embracing what's best for your life. And last week was a very difficult message. I'll be honest with you. As I was preaching it, there's sometimes you're you're preaching a message and and during the message you're thinking, a pastor's worst nightmare is that God doesn't anoint and God doesn't move and he he leaves him to preach it by himself. Boy, you talk about a mess, amen? Any preacher besides me ever been there? <laughs> Man, I tell you what, you get one out there and you're on your own and you're just like, Lord, can we wrap this thing up quickly, amen? And last week during the message, I really struggled with not necessarily that exact thought, but I just really struggled with what God was doing and began to wonder, Lord, boy, did I, did I miss this or what are you up to? But Man, just this week, so many of you have called and just shared how God is, is dealing with you, God is speaking to your heart, God is stretching you, God is moving you from what's good, pulling you into what's best, and I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you that you embrace that. And what I want you to understand 
is I, I, I really focus the rest of my week on the last few verses of this scripture. But I want to show you one before we go to Genesis 22. There's a scripture in, Gen- in Galatians, in Galatians chapter 3. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 3, and we'll be looking at it some today, so go ahead and find your place there and, and hold it there. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 3, it's a very interesting book. Uh, Paul's addressing uh, the, the issue of faith, and there were some people who were embracing Judaism and Christianity, and, and, and Peter was teaching them, but they had to do both. They had to, they could be a Christian, but they had to become a Jew. And I love Galatians chapter 3, uh, because uh, when, when they come up and they say right here, uh, he says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who's messed with your mind? Who's twisted your thoughts? But look at what verse 3 says. Galatians 3 and 3. He says, <clears throat> now remember, this is what the Bible says. Well, preface that before I read this phrase. <laughs> Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now going to be made complete by the flesh? Now, am I the only one that just said, oh, me, when, you, when I read that? I'm going to be honest with you. When I read that, it almost kind of semi-took my breath away. Are you so foolish that what you began in the Spirit, now you're going to go back and try to do it in the And I believe this is the word for today because a lot of you are pressing forward to what's great for your life. You're pressing forward for what God has designed you for. But if you're not careful, when we get a word in the Spirit, we'll try to fulfill the word in the Spirit by the flesh and try to make it work. And can I just tell you today that if God has made you a promise that He's going to do something in your life, we looked last week at that when, I mean, for three days, Isaac was as good as dead in Abraham's mind. <clears throat> but Abraham knew that Isaac was the promised seed. And so that if God's so fit to take Isaac's life, then God would bring him back to life again. That would be the only... God may have given you a word. Matter of fact, God may have given you... And that word is still not fulfilled. And you're thinking, man, what's going on? You know, and, and you may have dealt with that message last week and said, well, I'm ready to stick a knife and it's getting in the way. But I want to show you, if you're not careful, we'll want to do a lot. A lot in the flesh to try to help out the spirit. Now, we looked at that two weeks ago. Sarah... And Hagar, you remember that story? God gave him a word, and in their flesh, help him out. We got to help God out. And so, I love what Paul tells Galatians. Are you now? Now, here's why he's telling them this: because they these were these were Gentiles, because it was the church of Galatia, and these were Gentiles who were embracing the resurrection, embracing Christianity. Then Peter went there and started preaching that they had to be circumcised in the flesh and had to go through all this stuff. And in that process, he comes back and he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who's messing with your mind? What you began in the Spirit, you must finish in the Spirit. And I want you to know last week, a lot of you 
And I believe they were... And you'll begin to try to make them fulfill, fulfill themselves in the flesh. And so I want us to go back to Genesis now. In the book of Genesis, it's very interesting here. I want to read a few verses. <coughs> in Genesis, <coughs> look with me if you would at verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called out to Abraham a second time from heaven and he said by myself I have sworn says the Lord because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son I will indeed bless you and make your offsprings as numerous as the stars in the sky the sand of the seashore your offsprings will possess the gates of their enemies and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my commandment. Abraham went back to his young man, his young men, the three that he left behind, and they got up and they went to Beersheba and Abraham settled there. Now here's what I want you to understand, interesting, is that this was a promise <clears throat> that God made Abraham. An angel of the Lord called out to him a second time and said, because you have been obedient. Now here's what's interesting about this. This wasn't the first time Abraham heard these words. This is this matter of fact, this is kind of why Ishmael came along. Man, if if God is going to make my descendants like the sand of the seashore and the stars of the sky, then I need to help him out. Because we're not getting much done here. <coughs> and so as we look at this, <coughs> it goes all the way back. You can go back into Genesis 15, and you can begin to look at these promises that God made unto Abraham. These promises are so interesting. Matter of fact, if you look at uh, back in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3, here's what he says about this. It says, um, I'm sorry, wrong verse here. Let me, let, me, let me give you that one. As we go back and we see this in Galatians 3, he begins to, to, to share these thoughts about Abraham. Matter of fact, it says um, in Galatians 3 and 6, just as Abraham believed God and it was credited unto him for righteousness. But this promise for Abraham goes back and it goes back and it goes back and as we look at it, it begins to have great, great ramifications. Matter of fact, God appeared to Abraham and he made a covenant with him in Genesis 15. And in Genesis 15, we see some interesting things and, and, and God begins to, to show him Show him these things in Genesis chapter 15. And God's making these promises to Abraham. And he made a promise. He said, your, your seed, I'm going to make a covenant with you, that your seed will be blessed. Matter of fact, in, in Genesis, he says, whoever blesses you, I will bless them. Whoever curses you, I will curse them. And so this whole process, all these scriptures begin to come to fruition. So Abraham had heard this before, but it wasn't until after the Mount Moriah incident that God came back and said, okay, now it's time. Now it's time. Now it's time to make your descendants like the sand of the seashore and the stars of the sky. Matter of fact, Isaac, they found a bride for Isaac. 
And uh, Isaac became married, and you know what happened to Isaac? He began to reproduce children two at a time. I mean, the first set of twins that it talks about in the Bible. Who were they? Jacob and Esau. And then from there became the 12 tribes of Israel, which there, if you go just a couple of books over into, into the book of Numbers, you can read that there was over a million people now who were Jewish people. God was keeping his word to Abraham. God made a promise to Abraham. And what was that promise? He said, because you have been faithful, because you didn't withheld your most precious treasure. Now, I'm not going to withhold the covenant because I know that you fear God. I know that you honor God. <clears throat> you know, when you begin to honor God, now here's the thing I want you to understand. <clears throat> Some of you made big decisions in the last couple of weeks. I don't believe they were decisions that were made haphazardly. I believe that you really had to pray through a lot of them to get to the decision you arrived at. But what I want you to understand is, don't you flinch. Don't you flinch over numbers. Don't you flinch over money. Don't you flinch over roadblocks. Don't you flinch over obstacles. Because God can overcome all roadblocks and God can overcome all obstacles in your life. If God call you to it, God will see you through it. Faith is not a leap into the dark, but it's a step into the light. It's a step into the light, and God will lead you into the light. I mean, for instance, back to our church plant in Peru. I mean, God brought about, I mean, God brought about a pastor, and that pastor began to say, you know, he's full-time now. He's doing the work of the ministry there. He needs a place to work out of, and God brought about this really neat location of this building right down the street from where he's at. And God brought him to that. And, you know, here we are struggling with trying to commit to something more. And while God, while, while we in the flesh was struggling with it, God in the spirit was overcoming the struggle in the flesh. Therefore, we go back to Galatians 3 and say, why in the world would I be so foolish to try to work out in the flesh what God's begun in the spirit? I'm going to tell you the problem the churches struggle with today is the flesh. And the reason so many ministries are failing, so many churches are failing. I mean, we were we was talking to someone yesterday about how many churches that have gone bankrupt in the last two years and had their property repossessed. And, you know, you think about that and you say, well, man, it's the economy. It's the economy. It's the economy. And I would say you're probably absolutely right. In the flesh, that's the deal. People get laid off, and they, and, they, and they quit giving. And they quit giving. They go into panic mode and say, oh, my goodness, I've lost my job. What am I going to do? Well, the problem is that man operates in man's economy and not God's economy. Matter of fact, the last church that I pastored uh, full-time, it was a, a, a fairly large church, and the church really gave a whole lot for us. Is money and comparing to other Baptist churches, they were they were in the top ten percent in financial giving. But I never forget one day I sat down and I figured it up and I said, if every member of our church was unemployed, if nobody in our church had a job, and every one of them got a check from the government for the full amount of the unemployment benefits, and they all tied on their unemployment, the church would have had more money than they had with everybody employed. And so you say, man, we hit panic mode, man. Times are hard, times are bad. Yes, they're hard. Yes, they're bad in the worldly realm, but in the heavenly realm, we're walking.
walking in heavenly places. Our God is seated in heavenly places. Our God is the author of all, the creator of all, the sustainer of all. He's in all and through all for his good pleasure. And today, Abraham had a promise from God. And when Abraham was faithful, God came back and said, Now, now, old boy, I'm going to fulfill that covenant. Because I am a covenant-keeping God. Now, you do understand that Mount Moriah had nothing to do with, 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 uh, with God, but it had all to do with Abraham. I mean, God already knew the outcome of it. So God had to prove to Abraham what kind of man he was. And so I want you to understand that a lot of the things that I get upset about, I'm not going to say you, a lot of the things that I get upset about, the tests, the struggles, the battles, the things that I walk through, what God is trying to do in my life is show me who I really am and get out of me what's not of God, that I may get rid of the junk that's not of God, that what is of God may come into my life and that God may have more of me more of me and that i may realize that the test is all about me and god i mean god doesn't need to be tested he's already perfect but i do and i go through struggles and i go through strife and i wonder what in the world god so god made this promise to abraham and then in this verse he made the promise to israel As a matter of fact if you look at it let's look at those few verses again in israel promise to Abraham they're backwards it's alright I'll just preach through it so as we look at this we see here he makes this promise to uh, to Israel in Genesis it's an awesome passage of scripture and I, I want you to really to really glean in on this and see what it is that, that God is saying in, in Genesis chapter 22 he says I will indeed make you and your offsprings as numerous as the sand of the seashore and the stars of the sky your offspring will possess the gates of their enemies. Could you underline that in your Bible? Your offsprings will possess the gates of their enemies, and the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my commandments. Because you, why will they be blessed? Because he obeyed. Because Abraham walked in obedience. And God says, because you obeyed. Because you. He didn't say because Sarah obeyed. He didn't say because your three servants listened to you and stayed down at the bottom of the mountain while you came up here to worship. He said, because you obeyed. And I want you to understand something, church, is that you can make a difference because of one man. One man. So much has been stirred up. Amen. <clears throat> you will possess the gates. <clears throat> the world hates Israel. Israel is on this little bitty small landmass that's the center of the, of, of the earth, and it sits there. And it's surrounded by its enemies. And it's surrounded by its enemies, and it possesses the gates literally today to so many things that are keeping other countries from getting there <clears throat> and uh they can't stand israel god promised israel he said i will bless you i'm going to make you a great nation i'm going to make your offsprings great 
if you obey my commandments. Abraham obeyed the commandments because he obeyed. Who was blessed? A nation was born. A nation was born. It aggravated the devil. It stirred the devil up. And for a long time, for decades after decades, after centuries after centuries, after millenniums, the devil has been trying to eradicate Israel. And he still hadn't stopped. Still hadn't stopped. But here's what I know. Those who bless Israel will be blessed. Those who curse Israel will be cursed. I mean, you don't, listen, you don't have to have, I don't, I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican. I don't care which one you, well, that's not true, I really do, but that's besides the point. I'm not going to get into that, that mess today, but here's what I want you to understand. If you just stick with the book and you stick with the covenant God made Israel, you'll understand that God is a covenant-keeping God. Matter of fact, every time he told Israel something, he what? Kept his word. When they wouldn't listen to him and they rebelled, he said, if you don't turn back, I'm going to overthrow you. And they wouldn't listen, and they kept turning their back on God. And Habakkuk cried out and said, Lord, why don't you do something? He said, I am doing something. I'm raising up the Chaldeans to come in and overthrow you, bring you into captivity, and put you in bondage for 70 years. Oh, my goodness. But I know the plans that I have for you to give you a hope and a future. When you get to Israel, you may, I mean, when you get to Babylon, you need to go there. You need to build houses. You need to plant vineyards. You need to, to have children. You need to marry. And you need to have your children's children have children because you're going to be there a while. But after 70 years, I'm going to bring you out. And if you'll walk with me in obedience, guess what? I'll bless you again. 70 years, not 71, not 69 and a half. When the 70-year mark rolled around, God raised up a pagan king named King Cyrus who didn't really care anything at all about Israel and said, Hey, I've got a novel thought. Why don't you take some of your people and go back to Jerusalem and build a temple? Thus the book of Ezra came about. 42,360 of them loaded up on their camels and they went back to Jerusalem and rebuilt the temple. And then came Nehemiah and rebuilt the wall. And then they did good for a while, and they rebelled from God. And God said, I'm going to disperse you again. And sure enough, the Roman Empire came in and overthrew Jerusalem, overthrew the temple, destroyed it, and brought it into captivity. And he made Israel a desolate wasteland. And there was nothing to the nation of Israel at all. Matter of fact, Mark Twain wrote in his book in 1867, Innocence Abroad, he said, this is a barren land. The only thing here is me and the man with me and the beast we're riding on. I got a question for the Palestinians. Where were they in 1867? They weren't anywhere there because it was a marshland. It was a mosquito-infested marshland that was ruined, that was wasted, that couldn't grow anything. Why? Because it was living under the curse. God said, but when I bring Israel back, I'm going to bless that land, and it'll be the most fruitful land in the whole world. And we know the whole story, how that ends. Many of you may have been living when that date took place in May the 14th, when Israel became a nation. When Israel became a nation. And God began to bless Israel again. Matter of fact, but you know how he blessed it? He blessed it through Jesse. Through Jesse. Who in the world is Jesse? Well, it was David's daddy. And he blessed Israel back through 
David through Jesse all the way back to Abraham. And as we look at this, it becomes overwhelming. Matter of fact, if you, if you study your Bible in the book of Isaiah in chapter 11, it says something like this. In those days, I will raise up the root of Jesse to be a banner, a banner bringing the, and all the children of Israel will come back. I will say to the east, give them up. I'll say to the west, give them up. I'll say to the north, give them up. I'll say to the south, give them up. And they will all begin to come back under the banner of Jesse. Do you know what the big argument was whenever Israel became a nation? What in the world are we going to put on our flag? And they sat around a room and debated this for hours upon hours upon hours. Well, we could put it on a fig leaf on there. Israel in the Bible was known as the fig tree. And they debated everything in the world that had to do with the Jewish heritage, and nobody would agree on what would go on the flag. And finally, somewhere in the back of the room, somebody stood up and said, why don't we put Star David on there? And everybody thought, wow, that's a novel thought. That's a good idea, and they all rallied around it. That wasn't a novel thought, it was a God thought. In Isaiah 11, it says, in that day I'll raise up the root of Jesse, and he will be as a banner, a banner bringing the children of Israel home. Do you know what the word banner means in Hebrew? Flag flag. And so now I'm telling you that every time you see that flag of Israel waving and that star of David on that flag, understand that God is a covenant-keeping God. Understand that God is going to fulfill His promise. And you know something? They will be victorious, and God says, when I bring you back in, I will bring back, you will be the most fertile land in all the universe, and today Israel is the most fertile land in all the universe. that little place and he says when I bring you back I'll never disperse you again so I mean I, you know, I've got I've got news for Abednejad I mean he needs to read the book I've got news for President Obama he needs to read the book he needs to find out which side to get on I'm telling you I mean if God if everything God ever said about Israel and the Old Testament has come true. Now, why do you think he's going to quit keeping his covenant today? I mean, you don't have to be a, a theologian to figure that out. That God keeps his covenant. God kept his covenant with Abraham. God kept his covenant. He's keeping his covenant with Israel. Keeping his covenant with Israel. And you may not like Israel. Well, that's your decision. But I'm telling you, that the nation that blesses Israel will be blessed. The one that curses him will be cursed. Now, here's the last thing. Look, I could preach on that for faith. God's promise to us. God's promise to me. God's promise to me is this. He says, you go back and we read it here in Genesis, and he says, uh, he says, and your, new, your, your offsprings will possess the gates, and the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my commandment. I didn't think about this. I wish I had done it before, but <clears throat> somebody that's a lot smarter than me did a lot of research on the Jewish people and how many of them have come up with things that we use every day and medicines that we use every day. And then they did that same study on the Palestinian people 
and how many of them have have been notorious and have been world changers. And I don't I don't think there's hardly any that have done anything positive for the world. But today, many of the things that you possess and you hold dear to your life it came to you by Jewish people. And so, what does that have to do with us? Well, God's promise to us is this, that if he promised Abraham that we could grasp what Abraham grasped. Matter of fact, if you go over in, Gen- in Galatians, that's what he's teaching him. Abraham was justified by faith. Matter of fact, this is an awesome thing in Galatians. Turn with me back there in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 in verse 8. Now the scriptures foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and foretold the good news of Abraham, saying, All the nations of the earth will be blessed in you, so those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. For all who rely on the work of the law are under a curse. But then skip down. It says in verse 12, But the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by him. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Well, that'll preach a spell, won't it? Because it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the who? Gentiles. Would come to the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Could, could you do me a favor? Could you just circle that phrase, in Christ Jesus? Because I want you to know today, sir, ma'am, the blessing of Christ did not come through your denominational affiliation. It came through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. Now, don't tell them that because you may upset a lot of people. But I want you to know the truth, that your victory comes through Christ. Not through your church, not through your local denomination, not through any earthly affiliation, but through the cross, through the cross, through the cross, through the blood, through the blood, through the freedom of the curse came through Christ Jesus. The cross is not man's way, it's God's way. Man did not... Man may have went down and went out there in the woods and cut down the tree to make the cross. Man may have drove the nails into the hands of Christ. But I want you to know something on the authority of the Word of God. It was God's plan. It was God ordained the cross. God ordained the crucifixion. God ordained redemption, not through man's works, but through His Son, His only begotten Son. Why in the world did God let Abraham's son go free? Because he knew that Abraham's son Isaac was not sufficient for taking away the sins of the world. And it doesn't say this in the Word of God, but I believe with all of my heart that God was saying, Abraham, you don't have to sacrifice your son here because on this same mountainous area in thousands of years to come, my son will lay down his life on a cross for all of mankind. God's promise to us. Where does your freedom come from? From the cross from the cross. Now go with me in verse 15. Brothers, I'm using a human illustration. No one sets aside even no one no one sets aside even a human covenant that has been ratified or makes additions to it because it's done. When you're ratified, it's all done, it's sealed. You can't change it. He goes here and he says in verse 16, now the promise was spoken to Abraham and to his seed. 
he does not save and deceive as though referring to many, but and to you your seed, referring to one which is Christ. You say, what in the world is all this talking about, preacher? Hang on, you'll see. And I say unto you, look at verse 17. I say this, the law which came 430 years later does not revoke a covenant that was previously ratified by God. All church. You may not be a Bible marker, but that's a good one to mark. The law cannot ratify it. Man, man cannot overthrow that which has been ratified by God. So, as to cancel the promise, for if the inheritance is from the law, it is no greater, it is no longer from the promise, but God granted it to Abraham through the promise. The promise. I could read all these ver verses here. Look at verse 20. Now, a mediator is not for just one person, but God is one. Skip down with me if you would to verse 23. Before this faith came, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until faith was revealed. Verse 25. Verse 24. The law then was our tutor or our guardian until Christ, so that we could be justified by faith. But look at this. Uh, I love when the word but's in the word of God. It's so good. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian or a tutor, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Can you mark this in the Bible? Next time somebody tells you you weren't baptized, you weren't baptized in their faith or in their denomination, they're not going to make it. It's a good stick to pull out and say, well, I just been baptized in the body of put on Christ. There is no Jew, there is no Greek, there is no slave, there is no free, there is no male or female. You are all in Christ. And if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Abraham's heir. According to what? Woo, glory. According to the promise. Now I say, that as long as an heir is a child, he differs in no way from the slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he is under the guardians and stewards until the time set by the father. In the same way, I'm in chapter 4 now, in the same way, we also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the elemental forces of the world. But when the completion of the time came, God sent his son. Come on, church, say amen. God sent his son, born of a woman. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. To redeem those who lived under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. <laughs> Boy, that's good stuff, isn't it? That we might be adopted out of the orphanage of hell into the embrace of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Mm. And because you are sons now, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. 
So now you are no longer a slave, but you are a son. And if you are a son, genealogy of Jesus. Jesus was the son of David. Son of David. I'm telling you today, as Jesus went on this, Paul went on this tirade, he said, listen, it's not about Jews, it's not about Greeks, it's not about slaves, it's not about free, free, free people who are free, it's about Jesus. And I want you to know something today best thing that could ever happen to you in your life is that you say Lord I want to accept the adoption papers that you filled out so that I can go free I want the promise God made Abraham a promise he kept it God made Israel a promise he kept it God made us a promise he kept it the only thing he's waiting on is for you to accept the promise God's already ratified and if God has ratified it, heaven cannot, uh, hell cannot overturn it. The world cannot overturn it. No president, no, no king, no earthly ruler can overturn that which has been ratified in the portal of glory. Now, why am I sharing this today? Because some of you need to accept salvation. Jesus did all that for you on the cross. And you need to accept it. Quit running from it. Quit waving your little church card in the air at God. God God's not impressed with your church membership card. But what he is impressed about is the blood covenant that he made for you on the cross. Blood covenant. for the fact that he redeemed you <clears throat> set you aside and you've not yet accepted the plan he has for your life the other thing I want to share about this is some of you you're already believers and you made some big decisions over the last couple of weeks God's looking at you now saying I'm going to keep that covenant I'm going to bless you I'm going to honor you I'm going to pour out power on your life. One person can make a difference. One person can make a difference. William grew up in a wealthy home. William had anything he ever wanted. William received private ed education. <clears throat> he wanted for nothing. And William's dad fell on really hard times. <clears throat> Economy was bad. His business had started failing. And his dad started drinking. <clears throat> his dad became an alcoholic he lost everything William can no longer go to 
private school that he was attending. He had to begin to start getting education any way that he could. William found this person who would send him off to a school and help him finish his education. That same year, his daddy drank himself to death, killed himself with alcohol. And while William was gone to this school, he heard about the good news of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He heard what I preached to you this morning about the covenant that God made with man. That we can be part of the covenant that he made with Abraham. God said, anybody blesses Israel, I'll bless them. Anybody curses them, I'll curse them. And we look at Israel and we're almost envious. But God said, if we'll accept the blood covenant, if we'll accept the covenant of the cross, then we're part of the covenant with Abraham. So I want you to know something today, church. If you're a born-again, sanctified, spirit-filled believer, if somebody blesses you, God will bless them. Somebody curses you, God will, God will get them. God will get them. Don't worry, he works a night shift. You're part of that covenant. William heard about that covenant. And he gave his whole heart and life to that covenant. Soon began to be a preacher. <clears throat> and William was on a mission to reach alcoholics and drunkards. He devoted his whole life to that mission. <clears throat> and he started this organization called the Volunteers very militant, ran a lot like the military. It's called the Volunteer Army, and he was writing this letter out and it, to somebody to tell him about this new ministry that he was starting. And his son saw the letter, and his son said, Dad, I'm not, part, I'm not a volunteer, I'm the real deal. William thought about that. And he said, you know what, son, you're right. You're right. Let's call it the Salvation Army. And for hundreds of years, the Salvation Army has been making a difference. You know why? Because one man was willing to follow God wherever he led him. And today, his life not only touched people in his time and the generation after him, but for generations and generations and generations. willing to sell out for whatever God's called you to do. Many of you made that decision last week, and I know you're struggling today, church. But I want you to know that God's keeping his covenant 
with you. We serve a covenant-keeping God where you just follow Him no matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it is. Will you follow what God has for you? I know the world's going to try to sell you a sexier drink. And here's some lady thinking, I can't believe you just used the word sexy in the pulpit. They want to dress it up and make it all attractive and alluring. And you want to abandon what God has for what you, what the world has. Don't do it. One of the poorest people I know or read about in history died with five silver spoons in his pocket. And those five silver spoons were to pay the people who carried him to his grave. Didn't have a lot of money, didn't want a lot of money. But today people are still being influenced under his name. John Wesley is willing to give it all. John Wesley's ministry ended up influencing William Booth, who became a Methodist preacher, who started the Salvation Army. He said, preacher, that's old stuff. It don't matter if it's old, it's still happening today. Because one person was willing to sell out. He said, well, pastor, all I do is sell shoes. So, so, old man that sold shoes influenced a guy named D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody influenced a guy whose name was Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham went to a rural area one day to preach, and he was having a prayer meeting at old dairy farmer's house. Dairy farmer's son gave his heart to Jesus that day. And became the world's pastor of Billy Graham. I mean, come on, guys. What's the difference? Your faith is what's the Your faith is what's the Will you believe God for the impossible? Will you trust Him? Because things that are large in God's mind is huge in ours. And we let it scare us out of the supernatural. And we tuck our tail and we run hide in the corner. And when you're hiding in the corner saying, I can't do that, agree with yourself and say, you're right. But God, you can. You can. Today, with your head back. <clears throat> Some of you just need to obey the Lord today.